was speaking to me left. And another angel came to me, came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory within. Don't you think for a minute this is some pagan quote or practice? This is the living God, the shepherd of your soul, placing himself in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your community, in the middle of everything that you are. And he blazes a circle of fire around you to protect you. And he raises a wall and a bander and a standard around you so that when the enemies come in, the only way they're getting in is through the fire. How's your walls today, saints? Are you fanning into flame that which God gave you? Are you fanning into flame that fire, that wall of fire that he has blazed around you? Because it's your responsibility to blow on it. It's your responsibility to stoke the fire and to fan it into flame so that the, fire, the walls of fire are high around you. And so the enemy has trouble getting to you. Instead, what we do is we neglect the fire and we neglect the stoking of that fire in your heart. And the enemy just creeps in every now and then. And all of a sudden we're whining and we're complaining about the fact that the enemy is trying to overtake us. The enemy, yes, is like a lion. And what does he do? What does he do when he's in your camp? The truth is, if he's in your camp, it's too late. You have to now tangle with a lion. And you have to muster up some courage and some faith to take down a lion. But that wasn't God's desire. God's desire was that lion would stay far off and that he would not come beyond those walls of fire in your life. That you would have discernment and you would have wisdom to take down the enemy before he makes it into your camp. Because when he makes it into your camp, even though you might think of your Christian pride in this moment and say, oh, this is an opportunity for God to give me faith and take down a lion. The truth is somewhere in between there are civilian casualties. And that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the kingdom. So what God does is gives you wisdom and understanding to keep the enemy at bay. You know how? Resistance. You resist the enemy, resist the enemy, resist the enemy, and he flees. But as soon as you stop resisting it, he comes. Let that wall of fire around you serve you well because Jesus Christ paid that you would have a relationship with the Father and that the Father could strike a fire around your circumstance, that he could blaze a fire around your life and that it would be your normal Christian life. Do not live anything less. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about passing a torch. And the truth is we start with fire with God and we end with fire with God. And just like in an Olympic race, when one runner is running with a torch, he runs and he passes it to the other and the other doesn't stay still, does he? No, he takes off running too. Let me tell you something. We've been talking about things about discipleship and multiplication and passing on good things in your life. And the truth is the simple matter is that Jesus Christ literally implanted his, his spirit in you, and it doesn't belong to you. 
Now, you're a beneficiary of it, but you're supposed to give it away. And every time you give that thing away, it actually grows within you. And you become a consuming fire just like your father. Are you willing to let him stoke that fire in you? Are you? If you are, say amen. amen. Now I tricked you because amen means I agree. And God's going to hold you to that word just like he does me. So let me help you hold to that word. Amen. amen. Why don't we start with the gospel? Today I'm going to tell you something. Can you put that first slide up, please? Nope, that's the second slide. That's the first slide. Today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fire. I think we're already there. Then we're going to talk about the gospel because the gospel creates movement and the movement creates friction and friction creates fire. And if you think that that's the destination, hold on because it's where you began. Not only is where you begin, it is where you're going, but you're going to find over and over and over again the pattern in your life, the pattern in the kingdom, and the pattern in all things godly and in the kingdom is the gospel creates movement, movement creates friction, and friction creates fire, and the fire never goes out. That's the grace of God. Amen? So turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Stay there when you're there. I'm actually going to feed you some scripture today because what you're about to learn or be reminded of is that when the word of God is spoken to you, it is the living Torah. It is the living word of God so that when it's seated inside of a human being, it's got life. It does not cease to have life when it, when it lives in you. It actually starts to cultivate, and you become part of that process. Romans chapter 10. How about I say there when I'm there? Did everybody say there? I'm the last one there. Praise God. Romans chapter 10. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one that they have believed in and how can they believe in the one in whom they have heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can they preach unless sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now turn with me to chapter 1 of Romans, just a few pages back. Romans chapter 1. And verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Say power of God, power of God. for salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, not even Jesus Christ himself, but the message that he proclaimed. It's almost like his very words that originated from him when they land in you have substance, cultivating substance. So much so that when I preach the gospel to you, 
Something starts to happen to you. I implant something in you, and I might leave, and you'll never see me again in your life. But all of a sudden, something's moving, and it's having trouble. And you, you can't live, you can't walk like you used to. <laughs> yeah, because, because I snuck in, and I planted the gospel in you. And then I ran off like a sneaky little man. But you know what I did for you? I did what God told me to, and the word will do what it does. And I leave it, and God sends the rain. 2 Timothy 1.10, turn with me there. Man, quick. I even put little markers in my Bible so I could be really fast. And I think they're actually slowing me down. 2 Timothy 1. Verse 10. I'm going to start a, a line up. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death, say destroyed death, destroyed death. and has brought life and immortality to light. Through what? Through the gospel. The gospel has destructive power. When I speak a message to your flesh, your flesh has to deal with what I have to say. Because if the words didn't originate from me, they flow through me. So you might want to be careful when you come around me. Because I might just give you something that actually disrupts your carnal nature. I might actually give you something that messes up your day. Because if you were looking to walk in anything other than the spirit, the gospel is about to change your day. <laughs> it is destructive. What? Not to the life in you, but the death in you. It is actually designed to kill that which is killing you. Hmm. We might as well go to 1 Corinthians. You okay with me giving you scripture, or would you like me to give me my own thoughts? I'll take it. Last week, Pastor Nick preached a phenomenal word. And in the beginning, he, he quoted from the Pirkei Avot. My Hebrew is rough. He said, what Moses received, when Moses received the Torah from God at Sinai, he transmitted it to Joshua, Joshua to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets to the members of the assembly. What's really cool is that Jesus Christ came, and what he received, he trans transmitted to you. This is that torch, that fire. It was always him from the beginning. It is him right now in your circumstance. And it will be in the end of your days, the testimony that's given to him through you. We're talking about the gospel, amen? It starts with the gospel because the gospel creates movement. Stay here with me for a minute. First Corinthians chapter one, chapter one and verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. Do you see that? 
You can actually speak words that empty the cross of its power. But if you speak the true, unadulterated gospel, it gives witness to what Jesus Christ has done. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's what? The gospel is the power of God. When God spoke and decided that he wanted to manifest on earth, he did so through Jesus Christ, the living Torah, the living word of God. So it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Has he? Yes. For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. That puts me in the category of a fool because I'm up here preaching. And I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I'm a fool for Jesus. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I'm holding the Baptocostal mic. Y'all didn't catch that one? This is the one that shouts a little louder for me. I am a spirit-filled, charismatic crack addict. I am addicted to Jesus. The best part of waking up is Jesus in my cup. It's true. In case you heard the rumors, they're not rumors. Hey, come on, somebody. It's a foolish thing to preach the gospel to those who are perishing. But for you, it's life and it's power and it's giving you a resurrection from the dead and moving you out of your dormant way of life. God is a living river flowing through you. He did not come to do anything that looks close to being stagnant. He came to flow through you. And on the way, he's going to wash away those things that are killing you. Mm. Chapter 2, verse 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's what? Power. Power. When we preach... The anointing of God comes with it. So I can get up here and basically regurgitate scripture to you. And because it's his word, it comes with an anointing. It comes with power, life changing power, because his word is truth. So that your faith might not rest in men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do however, speak a message of wisdom to what? The mature. Be sure that you mature, saints, that you can hear the full gospel. Because you can only hear some things in one season of your life and some things are waiting for you to mature in order to be able to hear them. Mm. Verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that he might understand what God has what? Mm. Freely given us. Wasn't free to him, was it? No, cost him his son. But in his love for you and his mercy and his grace, he gave that so that you might have relationship with him, that you might have life changing power. We're talking about the gospel this morning. 
but we're only starting there because the gospel comes to do something, and that's create movement. Put up the second slide, please. The gospel comes to create movement. It does that. You need to get on the same page with the gospel because if you don't understand this, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be confused. You're going to not understand what God is actually doing in you when he's actually fighting for you. The gospel creates movement. 2 Timothy 2.9. Turn with me there. There. Ha <laughs> I beat somebody. 2 Timothy 2. That's 4. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9. I'm going to start in 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my what? My gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Ooh, I like this next one. But God's word is not chained. God's word. Where is God's word? Point to it. Oh, bingo. God's word is hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against him. And that word is not chained. It is actually off the chain. It is loose inside of you. And it is moving, living, and doing what it does. And you don't, he doesn't have to have permission to do so. Because you already let him in. And when you let him in, he comes in and devours that which is killing you. And sometimes you don't like it. Sometimes it don't feel good. Sometimes you want to stay still and he wants to keep moving. Because the gospel does what it does. It's unchained and it is loose in you and it is moving. You might as well get in step. The gospel, the word of God is unchained in your heart and in your life. Isaiah 55 says it like this. Far faster than when I began. Quick draw McGraw. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There. Isaiah 55. And I didn't tell you what verse, so I could be there first. Verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose in which I, God, sent it to do. The word of God has been preached. It's fell upon your ears. It has moved from your ears to your mind, from your mind into your heart, and it is shaking your soul. That is what it's designed to do, is move you. Not to leave you indifferent, but to move you, to upset you, to make you happy, to make you glad, to make you sad. This is what the gospel does. It comes to create movement. You know what stays still? Dead people. You know who doesn't feel? Dead people. You know who doesn't say nothing? Feel nothing? Dead people. 
Well, let me just give you a revelation. You're not dead. You're alive. And if you're standing still, but you feel a movement inside of you, then what does that make you? Confused. It's like a statue that has a life going on inside them, but then on the outside, you're stoic. You can't move. You're petrified. You didn't let God break that fear. You didn't let him give you a heart of flesh. You still have one of stone. But if you will reach out and give him your heart of stone, he will replace it with a heart of flesh. And for the first time, you'll have real life, not that thing you call life. I will, says the Lord, accomplish the word and what I send it to do in your life because I am the gospel. I am the living word that came down from heaven. And you are part of that story that makes you a word from heaven. And he's moving. He's writing that story, always moving forward. And sometimes when you feel friction, it's because you're going the wrong way or you're trying to resist or stop. And there's a momentum in the gospel. There's a movement. It's always progressively forward. And anything other than that in your life creates for you trouble. So be wise and keep moving forward. Amen. Jeremiah 23 says it like this. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord. Like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. The word of God is literally in your life. It is literally breaking your hard heart. He came in and what he found was a stony heart. And he starts chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. Until that thing starts beating for the first time. Don't settle for less, saints. Because it is a reality that can't happen in your life. My word's like a fire. Jeremiah chapter 5, a few pages back. Chapter 5. Verse 14, therefore, this is what the Lord, my God Almighty says. If the Lord himself speaks to you audibly right now, you think your ears ought to be attentive? Yeah, well, listen up. Because the people have spoken these words, I will make my words in your mouth a fire, and these people the wood it consumes. (laughs) The gospel has power. It has destructive fire power in your mouth. When it lives in your heart, and don't think I'm talking about speaking it. I'm talking about living it. When you actually start to walk out the word before you even speak one word, it destroys strongholds. It destroys your enemy, first in you, then all around you. You see, you can let the word dwell in you. And it can break down all kind of strongholds. But when you start to apply it and live it out and put it to the test, it starts to destroy that around you. 
and all your Goliaths fall. Every David needs a Goliath. James 1.21, no, 1. And 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. Hmm. Therefore, get rid of all your moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can do what? Which can save you? There's an option of saving you. The presence of God can be present in you, but not powerful through you because you don't apply it. And you hide the word in your heart that you might not sin against them, but you always live a life of response and, def and defensive measures. Instead of moving forward in momentum and actually practicing your faith. And so that you might be saved on the end of your days, but you're never delivered from what you are right now. Because you let the word hide in your heart and just that it only hides. No one ever sees it. But when you display it, when you walk it out, when you let it move you, when you get your old dead body up and you let the spirit actually move you one foot in front of the other and in front of the other, all of a sudden you become a new creation. You become more like Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, in case you didn't hear, had power over hell, death and the grave. Who actually rose from the dead. Any of you want to do that? Anyone of you want to rise up out of your dead circumstances? Anybody need power over the grave or the death inside of them? Anybody want to stand in victory instead of watching and waiting for it? Yeah, me too. Amen. Because the gospel creates movement. The movement creates friction. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Oh, no, Pastor, we don't want to talk about friction. What we want to talk about is victory and glory in the kingdom of God. Let me get my best life now because I needs that, you know. Because this life, this is hard, Pastor. This is hard. Hard work living this life on earth. I just want to survive and can't wait till I get to heaven. And then Jesus isn't there, and you're like, what? Will you take heaven without Jesus? Then let's talk about Jesus and not heaven. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you. Huh. Paul's preaching to you right there. I'm going to teach you. Maybe I'm going like, to talk you into it. Let me uh, rise to this intellectual challenge and see if I can talk you into it. No. I urge you passionately. Warn you, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, look in the rearview mirror, in the rearview mirror of God's mercy and his history through your life. Don't you think you should probably already by now offer yourself as a living sacrifice? It's about time, right? What are you waiting for? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's not hard to understand. It does not take a degree in seminary to understand that God is looking for one thing. Offer all that you are. 
because he's worthy. And he can do with you what you can't do. He's got a better plan and a better life than you ever had. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. Anybody see the Transformer movie ever in their life? Maybe play with the toy, right? The dudes are robots. And then all of a sudden they become cars. Right? That's two different things. Be transformed into something else. You can't run a race while you're a robot. Right? You can run, right? But this little car is going to be like, woo, going to pass you up. Be transformed into something brand new. Go from a slave to a son. Grow, go from a bound man to a free man. Quit living in a free man's world with a slave mentality. Be transformed. Actually live out what you believe. Actually walk it out and watch and see if God doesn't show off through you. Hebrews 4 says it like this. Come on, turn with me. Y'all doing great. <laughs> Somebody's on to my tricks. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and what? Oh, the word of God is Jesus Christ himself. It cannot be separated. And he's living in your heart and he's active. Sharper than a double edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of a soul and spirit. Ouch! That hurts. Are you careful when you read the word now? Let me read the word and let me put this one in my heart. Wait, I'm not going to put that one in my heart. Because that one, that one actually might sever soul from spirit. Yeah, no, yeah, no. That's not how it works. It's all or nothing. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him of whom we must give account. He is doing you a favor and working out your judgment day now. He is sifting out the things and putting them in the paid for category so you don't have to talk about it. I need to put this one in the past. I need to put this one in the forgiving category because mm, that one's ate my lunch quite a bit in my life. And I'm about to meet Jesus one of these days. I don't want to talk about this one. Not too proud of it. Right. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you that your gospel was spoken to me. Thank you that it created movement in me and actually changed me. And thank you that the friction that it caused in me made me run away from it. Come on, is there any friction in your life because you're trying to live out righteousness? Oh, we always think of our neighbor in the next hill. Well, when I live this out, that person's really you know, bringing me persecution. Okay. How much persecution are we getting from the world? I want to do this, and I want to do that. And man, it's hard. And I need to, like, God, would you bless it? Would you please bless it? And God's like, no. Don't suffer for your stupidity. Suffer for righteousness' sake. Quit walking that way and walk this way. You're going to get plenty persecution for standing in righteousness. You don't believe me? We're Americans. Walk out on the street right now. Wear your Jesus shirt. 
Not your God shirt. Right? Jesus. Jesus Christ is God. See if that gets you one. It will. I said it. I believe it. I know it to be true. Jesus Christ is God. Isaiah 30 has been not just hidden in my heart, but seared in my heart. You ever, you ever been there with Jesus? Like this one, over and over, it's my ring of fire. Just come back to it, come back to it, come back to it. Like, um, Lord, it's true. I get it. It's true, Lord. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and it never ceased to be true. Amen. Isaiah 30. Verse 19, O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, say as soon, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Affliction and adversity are our teachers. Because the word of God came to create friction in you. Because you are not to remain dormant, you are to create something, a movement inside of you. And that movement feels like friction at times, and that friction comes to create fire. And that's always been his goal, because it was always him. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this. If a blunt object, <clears throat> if the blunt object is dull and its edges unsharpened, more strength is needed. But wisdom brings success. That's me. I don't know about you, but blunt object I am. And boy, do I need some sharpening. And I think it's going to be a lifelong process. At this 40th year of my life, I'm thinking, yep, yep, this is going to be one for the long run. I'm a little rough around the edges. I need some sharpening. God seems to bring me things that are always sharpening me. And uh, it looks like it's I'm in this one for the long run. Amen. Any blunt objects in here? Oh, hallelujah. Oh. Well, be encouraged in Isaiah 41. For all you that raised your hands. <laughs> Uh, blunt objects have hope. God's desire that your blunt objects would actually become sharp and useful and effective in the kingdom. Isaiah 41. Verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. With the righteousness of my right hand, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Those who search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord, says God, you <coughs> who takes hold of your right hand and who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid. Oh, you worm Jacob. He just throws that one in there just to keep humility. 
O little Israel, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. This is God's plan for you, that you would hear the gospel, that you would receive it, that you would receive that gospel and it would do what it was called to do. And that's create movement in you to get you moving. And from that moving in your soul, it will create friction. And that friction is because he is sharpening you and making you into a war club that is sharp and devastating to the enemy. This is the purpose of the friction in you. Take hold, saints. Be encouraged. God is forming and fashioning you in the furnace of fire so that you might have something to give to someone else and take down the strongholds in their life and stop living a life that's all about you. Turn with me to Jeremiah 20. When this happens, your change comes from the inside out. The word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces the spirit and the soul. It, divides, it can even divide it. It's almost like God is laying you out and filleting you so that he can get down even to the depths of your bones all the way to the center of your issue and put his fire right there. Fire begets fire. And when you encounter God as a fire, you become that fire. Tell me it's not true. Think of your stories throughout the Bible. And every time you encounter God as some manifestation, you walk away as that same manifestation. I, in case you didn't notice, encountered God and I found him to be a consuming fire. And so I walk away and I re reproduce consuming fire. The way I live, the way I talk, the way I think, everything must be consumed and given to God. I can do no other. Because like Pastor Nick said, we reproduce after our own kind. This is a biblical principle. We simply need to yield to that. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Jeremiah was a man who lived in a furnace, who lived in a place where he yielded to God and let God do what he did. And that's become a burning fire into the depths of his soul. In verse 7, O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Come on, have you been there? You say, I wouldn't even talk to that like that to my God. I'd say you need to know your God. You need to complain to him a little bit. Then you need to listen and let him correct you and get right with him and let him lead you. It's okay. He's not a far off God. He's right there with you. Let him know your heart. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has been brought, <clears throat> has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Have you been there? 
Maybe you're living it out. Maybe you're speaking it. And all of a sudden, the response that you got wasn't what you were expecting. And so something in you wants to cower, but the spirit in you keeps saying, move forward. Speak. Do not hold back. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more of his name, his word is like a fire shut up in my bones. It's in my heart. And I am weary of holding it in, Jeremiah says. Indeed, I cannot. Come on, saints. We got to get to a place where the position of the word of God is so embedded in your bones that if you were to reserve yourself in walking it out or you were to shut your mouth and say you weren't going to speak of it any longer, the word itself would have its way through you. It would come out. It's like the word's all in you and all of a sudden it's like it's got to get out. I got to live it out this way. It's in my bones. I'll die if I don't live this way. I'll die if I don't speak this. I'll die if I don't express myself to the Lord. Like the love in my heart don't hold me back any longer. Come on. Somebody run through the camp. Tell the people, get ready. Tell your own flesh, get ready. The living God's moved in. He's moving me, he's shaking me. Every time I pray, something quakes deep down in my soul. I can't live abnormal any longer. I can't live a substandard life any longer. I got to live what they call radical. I'm telling you the truth. When you start to live it, it becomes normal. And when it becomes your normal, now the fire is no longer in your bones. It's consuming you. And you are that very torch in which God created you to be. He came to consume you, to light you up, to fire you up. And I'm not talking about zeal. I'm talking about devotion. I'm talking about living out a life that you don't care, that you can get up with me right here and look foolish in front of men. God's filled you with his presence. All gifts have been given to all men, yet you sit on them. The Lord's trying to speak through you, prophesy through you, move through you, heal through you. But what you do is subject it to your intellectual train of thought and put it in that category. Well, when you make me do it, God. Doesn't work that way. You want to prophesy, speak. You want to heal the sick? Then lay your hands on them. Go find a uh, colony of lepers, leprosy. They wouldn't let me into the one I went to. Well, what good's it going to do? You're always going to be a colony of leprosy. Let me in. God told me to come and heal. I didn't come to pray for healing. I come to heal. Doctor showed up at the door and they said, no, no, thank you. <laughs> well, there's your issue, huh? Hmm. Fire shut up in my bones. Indeed, I cannot sit quiet. I cannot sit down. I cannot shut up. I can only stand up for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Buried, raised, and filled his people, manifesting himself through all his saints. I hear many whispering terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him, all my friends say. 
They're waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. When will? And then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. I love this. In the Hebrew, it says an awe-inspiring, terror-striking, mighty champion. That's our God. An awe-inspiring, terror-striking, mighty champion. Jesus Christ has already won. He is not struggling with darkness. You are. He's already victorious. He's standing in victory. And if you will let him, he'll do it through you. There is none that stand beside him. There is no champion that comes to him. He's already won. It is finished. It's about time that we start living like we believe that. Psalm 104 says that God makes his servants a flame of fire. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he reiterates and says, I'm talking about the angels. I make them flames of fire. And let me tell you something. Hebrews also goes on to say that he's lifted up above the angels. And if they are flames of fire, why not you? I don't think I'm going to be outpraised by an angel. I'm not going to be outworshipped by an angel because I'm the one that's been liberated from my corruption. I'm the one that's been delivered from my darkness. And ain't no tree going to outpraise me. Ain't no angel going to outsing me because I'm going to worship my God in foolishness. And I'm going to tell you it's faith. How about you? It's about time that we start living like consuming fires and letting God come in and burn away everything that's not of him. Ezekiel 1.13 says that around the throne there was ones like burning coals and they looked like torches. They looked like living torches. I'm telling you the truth, you've been raised above the angels, the crown creation hidden in Christ, and you are beyond a torch. If his angels are torches burning fires for Jesus Christ, then why not you? I don't need to guess whether you are or not. I should be able to see it in your life. When I come close to you, you should sear me. If I get close, I should be like, whoo, wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me just, let me, let me be cautious when I approach you because every time I leave it seems to burn me it seems to get up under my skin and something starts to move I was encouraged but then I was corrected I was I was transformed yeah but I wasn't the same and so next time I approach you I need to be a little careful I may think about how close I get to you right but I walk away and say Oh, man, that guy's on fire. That's Dan, fire. Got to be cautious when I get close to Dan. He seems to burn me at times. He seems to set me ablaze. But you know what? Maybe one day I'm a flicker in flame. My heart says I want to burn for his name. So what I do is I draw a little closer to, to Dan because I'm like, Dan, I'm flickering today, bro. I'm flickering today. Could you help me out? And Dan comes along and he says, yes. And he gives me the gift that's in him and he encourages, encourages me. And all of a sudden I'm burning again. 
I'm burning again. I'm burning again. See, that's why you got to burn. Because somebody else needs what you have. And about time that you set yourself on fire. Other people, they'll, they'll come and watch you burn. They will. Set a fire, everybody comes around, don't they? Right. No need to advertise. Just set the fire. And they come running. Everybody likes a little, little bonfire. Huh, how about a bonfire? All of a sudden in me, I'm burning from the inside out. I'm a living torch. And you better be careful because I'm destructive. See, that was the purpose and Jesus Christ came, lived out and preached the gospel so that it might come and live in you and create that movement. That movement creates that friction and you, once again, are on fire. This is Zechariah. This is that circle of fire. This is that gift from God. This is what he called you to and nothing less. In, Ezekiel, in Exodus 3, God came as a burning bush. In Leviticus 6, he tells us the fire on the altar must not go out. Make me a bush then, Lord. Make me an altar, whatever it is. Here's the sacrifice. You send the fire. Come up, worship team. I got a couple hours on this mic if y'all don't come on. In Exodus was the burning bush, and Leviticus was the burning altar, and Deuteronomy 9 was the burning mountain, and in Acts, it was the burning church. It was the burning saints of God. And in our modern day, where is it? Come on, somebody, it's right here. Is it? Don't let it be anything less. If God desires to burn in a bush, if he desires to burn upon the altar, if he desires to burn upon a mountain, you don't think he desires to burn in your life? Do you think he desires to burn in your circumstance? Yes. Yes. So let the living God stand in the center and strike a wall of fire around you. And then you stand in the center and burn with it. And be that torch and pass on that thing in which he gave you. Because when you encountered God, he was a consuming fire and you walked away and all of a sudden you were too. It was always him. It was always him. He came to you, dried up life. And he took his fire from heaven and he reached down upon the earth and he set you ablaze and he said now go run into the harvest and burn it up run 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 into the harvest and set that field on fire because they're dry and I deserve a glorious harvest so burn it up and I'm going to grow something beautiful for my son and the son says, Father, I'm going to grow something beautiful for you. They're going to grow up beside me, and I'm not going to lose any. I'm going to hold them in my hand. The weeds, they'll grow up with the tares, but I'm going to, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them what's happening. I'm going to tell them the truth, and I'm going to say, be aware. Be aware. You have these tares growing up next to you, but be aware I've made you fruit. I've made you wheat, not tares. And when the time comes for you to bear fruit, 
like the wheat. I want you to bow your head and I want you to surrender to me, says the Lord. And I want you to give up the fruit in which I'm producing through you. And if you'll continue to live open-handedly and you'll continue to give up those things that he's building in your life, in the age to come, your reward will be him. You'll see him face to face. You'll realize those torches we're talking about. You'll see him in his eyes. In Revelation, it says he has fire in his eyes. Why? Because he has fire in his soul. Because he is that source. What you're feeling, what you're called to pass on, is that flame, is that fire, is that torch. We get so caught up in how we're going to do it, the way we're going to do it, the most effective way. Let me tell you all my steps and my ideas. And the Lord said, it was always me. All I really wanted you to do is reproduce who you are when you walked away from encountering me. And if that's fire, then you're required to produce fire. What we're going to do now is going to let the Holy Spirit minister. Get me out the way. He's a much better minister than I am. If he's moving in your heart right now, don't wait. Don't let that time pass you by. Your heart has a way of rehardening itself when you reject these things. So stand with me. Here's what the Lord's saying today. His testimony and his witness is always true. He is faithful even when you're not. It was always him. Don't get it twisted. It was always him. That whisper in your ear, that nudge of your heart, that little partial idea, the one that you sat on and didn't do anything with. That was him. The old timers used to say, your unction's not your own. It's because it's a whisper in your soul. It's an Ezekiel moment. It's an Elijah moment. It's in the whisper, God. God, you're in the whisper. Your part is to respond wholeheartedly, unreserved, 200% everything you are, and God will send fire on that sacrifice. On this side of the room, if you want to baptize be baptized in the fire of God, in the Holy Spirit, and there's no reserves in your heart, then run to the altar. Jesus Christ will fill you with his power and his presence. He will fill you with fire. If you are desiring to make a public proclamation of the devotion and faith, that's hidden inside of you and you want with everything in your heart to show it 
to the world, then start here, start now. On this side of the room, the Holy Spirit is moving you to be baptized into water. A symbolic act of the reality that's going on inside of your heart now may manifest upon the earth. These are times of celebration. These are joyous times. These are times of victory in the midst of a dark world. These are times of liberation and freedom. It's been paid and is freely given to you. So if you're a parent in here, go get your children and bring them back. Because you're going to want them to see what God's about to do in this place. If they're in the nursery, if they're being watched, go get them. Because they're all coming in here anyway. Go get them and come back. And the worship team is going to lead us into his presence. And people are going to be moved by his presence to come and be baptized in water and in the spirit. And Jesus Christ will have his glory.